We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a little bit about the fine folks at ExpressVPN who have helped us out dramatically in terms of running this channel. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've used the NFL's American Game Pass, you've probably found that there's limited access to all 22 and also no live access to games. That's actually very different from the International Game Pass plan, which has both full all 22 footage and full access to games. So, I'm international going to school, and Tyler and Steven are back in the United States still finagling with that Game Pass to try to get the footage that they need to do the breakdowns on the channel. So I said, well, what if I get Game Pass internationally, and then you guys can use a VPN? Uh, And after that discussion, ExpressVPN actually came and said, hey, we want to partner with you guys. So that's been awesome to deal with them. Uh, They have been great for the show and have helped us pump out these breakdowns that we know you guys have been watching on the channel. And of course, uh, when we talk about ExpressVPN, their uses go far outside of football. There's plenty of shows on Netflix in America that aren't available elsewhere and vice versa because, well, maybe that one's on HBO Max and maybe that one's on Hulu. So there's plenty of uses for ExpressVPN to get regionally based uh, exclusive internet content. And so we want to let you go to ExpressVPN and explore yourself. So that's why if you go to expressvpn.com guilty, again, that's expressvpn.com guilty, you can get a three-month free trial on us. So that's our promise to you, and we know that you're going to love ExpressVPN just as much as we have if you're football fanatics like us. So if you want to see that really pretty Justin Herbert pass that you saw live on CBS that week again, but you want to see it in that beautiful All-22 and plenty of different camera angles, you can again go to expressvpn.com guilty to start your three-month free trial today. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Get the S Charged podcast. Coming to you live after the Rams have clinched a berth to the Super Bowl. So uh, we can certainly chat about that. But tonight we're going to be chatting uh, about the Broncos and Raiders coaching hires, as well as reviewing the interior defensive line, edge rusher, and linebacker rooms as we, as we have been doing the last few weeks. Kind of revisiting the season as a whole, which I think is always good to do, uh, as opposed to just kind of 
hashing out what happened in the last week of the season. So uh, happy to do that. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm your host for those who are news. And joining me today from the COVID list uh, is Alex Insdorf. Alex, how you doing, man? Uh, still on there, but hopefully I'll be getting off in a few days. So <laughs> excuse my voice. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're wishing Alex well. Hopefully he's able to uh, recover soon. It sounds like he's about there. So maybe a couple of days or more. So also joining me is Tyler. Tyler with the, the fresh beard and the, the fancy schmancy don't shoot the messenger nickname, which we'll get into today. Uh, but Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Alex, whatever it takes to get out of exams, right? <laughs> no exams. It's like February. <laughs> yeah, barely missing the start of the semester. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, a crazy day of football. Again, we had some good games, which is great. Back to back weekends of competitive football. I thought for a second that the uh, Bengals were about to get blown out. And then Patrick Mahomes put an all time shit show performance in the second half. Uh, so instead of Chiefs and Rams, we get Bengals and Rams. Uh, really quickly, Tyler, what'd you make of today's football and uh, who you got next week initially? Oh gosh, I mean, so this week, I'm I'm not saying I'm not like I'm glad that the Niners didn't make it, but to me, you kind of have to sort of deserve it a little bit more. And when you, you don't really throw an inter- uh, touchdown the week prior, and you're throwing like one touchdown a week in the postseason your quarterback you're just not ready to go and so for the rams to make it good for them they went all in so they, they deserve to make it the Bengals are an interesting one because i certainly didn't expect them to be here i don't like even though they make the super bowl i am not picking them to repeat next year because there's no way that all three of the division rivals in their group are going to all have the devastating covid and injury issues and big bed roethlisberger playing football <laughs> out there that's yeah. not going to happen they're not going to have the easiest schedule in the NFL. They're not going to play, you know, the, the Raiders, the Titans, and then have, you know, the Chiefs, who was a very competitive game, or at least the Chiefs were competitive until they weren't. Um, but but honestly, good for them. Like, I think Chiefs, or excuse me, Bengals and, and Rams is a, is a fun one. Um, but I do think that the Rams, and I keep saying this about the teams that are playing the Bengals, and they keep winning, uh, much like the Raiders. Like, why do they keep winning? I don't know, but they just kept winning. Uh, yeah. But I do think the Rams are just, like, they're they're just more talented, I think, they sort of match up with them kind of well everywhere across the board. Um, I don't really know that there's been a corner that's been able to really challenge like a Jamar Chase as much as someone like a Jalen Ramsey in this postseason. So I think that's going to be huge. And then obviously, you know, that interior, you know, Joe Burrow has been sacked 12 times this postseason and Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd are on the way. And that's yeah. going to be the worst case scenario there. And it's not like, you know, they can mitigate it with like a really good run game or like they, Joe Burrow is going to get killed out there. The question is whether he can survive and then whether his defense can bail out this team once again, as they have all postseason. Yeah. um, Initially, I I thought the Bengals were obviously dead in the water. Uh, I did did not think that they were going to mount a 21-3 comeback, but you just sort of start to see them win these possessions. Their defense comes up huge for them again. Um, did, Did not see that coming at all. And I think the Rams probably have to be the Super Bowl favorite. I mean, it's in their mm-hmm. building. Um, you know, they got a little bit outclassed today in their building, 80 to 20 in favor of the Niners, but yeah. ended up winning the game. Um, it should be a good one next week. Um, I, I think that the Rams probably take that one, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, I think from an entertainment entertainment standpoint, like we could have had better, right? Like somebody pointed it out earlier, you know, Bills Packers would have been super fun to watch but you know this is uh this is a matchup that i think is good for the league you know obviously i think the league wants a team in la to be in super bowls and obviously we all wish that were the chargers this year but 
Um, the Rams hosting the Super Bowl back-to-back years where a team gets to host the Super Bowl is, is kind of crazy. That's going to provide a lot of storylines for them. And then, you know, I've been kind of shitting on Joe Burrow and, and kind of making fun of all the narratives and stuff like that. But I think the Bengals being in the Super Bowl is good for the league. I think, it, you know, we've kind of gotten away from it in terms of parody being like the coolest thing about the NFL because Tom Brady exists, but or existed, I should say. Um, but, you know, now you have this young team in the NFL that hasn't made a Super Bowl in 30 years. You know, this is the first playoff win in 30 years and all that stuff. And I think this is good for the league. And I think, uh, you know, over the next few years, we're really going to see the the AFC in particular get back to, you know, being the par- like parody being the king of the NFL. As Tyler mentioned, you know, if the Bengals were a wild card or missed the playoffs next year, like I wouldn't be all that surprised because Lamar Jackson was injured all year. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield was injured all year. But also if they were back here again next year, I also wouldn't be surprised. So I think the Bengals being in is good as much as me and other Chargers fans have been annoyed at the Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert thing. I do really think that this is good for the league. And I do think that this is it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah, and it certainly challenges the way you can think about sports where it's like, okay, you should you should only take an offensive tackle, you know, in the first round over a wide receiver. Well, you yeah. know, let's, I mean, they only threw three passing touchdowns. The Bengals did this postseason. <laughs> if you take out that screen pass, sure. but you know, there's an argument. You could obviously Jamar Chase got them to the postseason and obviously made plays. You know, can you tank and make it to the Super Bowl? Yes. You know, the, the Bengals did that. Can you go all in, make the Super Bowl? Yeah. Can you turn it around in one offseason? Yeah. So I think there's so many discussions because each of these teams. So it's really, really cool to see so many different narratives play out that, you know, that aren't really the traditional sort of narrative. It's like build through the draft and retain your own guys. And, you know, it's not always so simple like that. There's so many things you can do to get to this point, And both teams have shown that. Yeah, I'm really surprised with the whole Joe Burrow thing and how that's gone down on Twitter and how there were actually Chargers fans who were rooting for the Chiefs today because of Joe Burrow. Like, y'all got to calm down. I was never there. Y'all got to calm down with that nonsense. All right, he got to the Super Bowl. Justin Herbert's good, too. He'll get there one day. Um, Y'all got to stop letting Dan Orlovsky get in your head. (laughs) Yeah, I I was never to that point where I was, like, actively rooting for the Chiefs, but, um, you know. Like I said, I think this is good. I do think the Rams should be considered the favorites. Um, You know, the defensive line is going to absolutely destroy the Cincinnati offensive line, which I think is really going to be the key to that game. Um, Because, you know, like I was on the Sewell side of that debate, right? Like, of of course, I'm the offensive line guy. and, And traditionally speaking, you can get receiver play later in the draft versus offensive line play being more difficult in the draft. And I think that's a fine take. But the problem for the Bengals has been their interior offensive line. And now they have to try and block Aaron Donald for four quarters. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Ramsey versus Chase is really interesting, especially because they've used Ramsey so much in the slot this year as opposed to playing on the outside. Um, so that definitely is going to be interesting. And, and then, of course, like, you know, we got uh, the the Utah connection, Matt Gay, Terrell Burgess, and Eric Weddle in that game. So, of course, I'm going to be having fun with that one. Much to uh, Alex's chagrin. So, Alex, I promise this is the only time I'll be talking about Utah tonight. I'm vindicated on Jamar Chase, by the way. I was right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fun debate, and I think we'll see some of that pan out. So, uh, that being said, we are going to talk about, like I said, uh, what is happening in the AFC West. Of course, uh, nothing has been made official yet on the Raiders side of things, uh, but it seems they are essentially going to hire Josh McDaniels along with, uh, I forget his first name, Ziegler or Ziegler. 
uh, as the GM. They're going to try to do the whole Patriots West thing, which always works out well. You know, there's there's been tons of examples of yeah. teams being able to re- replicate the Patriots and be able to figure it out and win Super Bowls. But uh, again, not official. At least the GM hiring is official. Coaching hire not. And then the Broncos have hired Nathaniel Hackett, former Packers offensive coordinator, um, which I think obviously a lot of people are going to connect the dots there with him and Aaron Rodgers. But I do think that Hackett was legitimately a good coaching candidate. He had other interviews too. So um, interesting hirings for both of these teams, right? Trying to replicate different things and trying to uh, you know bring different schemes in and stuff like that. Obviously, we'll see how that pans out. But Alex, what's your uh, – uh, I'm excited to hear this one, but what's your initial takeaways from – what the Broncos and Raiders have done or, you know, about to do at least. I'll start with Nate Hackett. Um, I, I thought, you know, that seems like an okay hiring. Um, a lot of people want to connect the dots to Aaron Rodgers, like Steven said, but it, it seems like he's kind of going to stay in Green Bay, um, you know, based on what the last couple of days have uh, resulted for them anyway. And he's had some good meetings. So, uh, and also you don't hire a coach just to go get Aaron yeah. Rodgers, right? <laughs> like you want someone who's going to be a really good coach. Um I'm I'm a little bit neutral on him. I think that he could end up being good, but also it's a little bit of a weird thing to like hire a guy that's not that or that wasn't the offensive play caller, I should say. Um, I mean, it, it was uh, Matt LaFleur who was calling the plays there. So, you know, if people want to use that against the enemy and, you know, for a long time, that was a calling card against him prior to Andy Reid speaking out for him, you know, while we're hiring this guy from the Packers who doesn't call the plays. I mean, I think that's a little bit weird, Um, but we'll see how that goes. Um, The Raiders, on the other hand, uh, Ziegler, I mean, okay, you're trying to like recreate Patriots West and, uh, you know, you want to have that kind of Patriots way of going through the draft and developing talent. You know, that's, that's what it is. Um, Josh, like, why, why does Josh McDaniels keep getting jobs? Like, he he keeps not yeah. being good at what he does, <laughs> and yet he keeps landing jobs. Like, the Patriots were bad on offense in 2019 and 2020. Um, and this know, year, had, frankly, they weren't exactly great either. Yeah, I mean, they were top ten offensive DVOA, but like, really, were not an explosive unit. Um, he was caught in a cheating scandal and then proceeded to go two and eight after the cheating scandal <laughs> when yeah. people figured out he couldn't coach anymore then quit on the Indianapolis Colts. And then of course has had his career resurrected by standing next to Belichick. I'm sure we'll enter an NFL offseason where Steve Belichick is a candidate at one point because oh. he stands next to him. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think Josh McDaniels is just a total fraud. I like, I don't understand how he keeps getting chances in the NFL. He should have been done after the cheating scandal yet. He's here. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's such a shame that they would go that way, but I guess hiring Josh McDaniels is a little bit better than giving a hundred million dollars to a washed up racist. <laughs> That's true. You know, I personally would not give a hundred million dollars to washed up racist. If I had a hundred million dollars, it's not the first thing that I would do. Um, <laughs> as for the, as for the, the, uh, the Broncos, uh, I'm at least glad they went with an offensive coach. You know, there's some, like some circles are like, Oh, Dan Quinn or whatever. Let's go defense again. And it's like, Oh man, you guys are going to go defense again i don't really think your defense could have been a whole lot better this year yeah and you guys didn't make the postseason so them going offense is good i was worried that they were going to get the either assistant or their actual offensive line coach over in green bay because to me the the two things that the the broncos really needed to get over the top were a quarterback and an offensive line and so for them to go get someone they got hackett 
to, to hopefully fix their, their quarterback situation. If they got the Packers offensive line coach as well, I mean, that would have been really kind of scary. Like, I don't want the Packers offensive line to suddenly make its way and be that good in Denver with a quarterback and that defense. That could be scary. So, you know, whatever they figure out there, I don't know. Um, good for Denver, I guess. We'll see how it works out. As for the Raiders, you know, listen, my dad can sell himself on anything Raiders related, you know, <laughs> like even like John Gruden and all that. But he was out on this one. Even he was like, oh man, I really don't want this to happen. And it did. Uh, to me, I think this is a, personally, I think this is going to be a, you are here as long as Derek Carr is here sort of thing. I, I think there's better candidates potentially, but they want sure. someone who can just walk in, you know, as kind of established, is not a new, like no Brandon Staley types, a guy who's, you know, been around and has all that sort of history, but he can kind of step in and probably get Derek Carr on the offense going faster than some of the guys who don't have that experience. Uh, that's the only way I can really look at it. To me, it's like not my, it's not really a great hire, uh, but go for it. You know, if, if that works for you and your offense, you can sort of justify having Derek Carr and make that work for a little bit longer. Go for it. I, I do feel bad for Bisaccia for not having that shot. But I also kind of get it. You know, you, you kind of want to have someone who's either you know, younger or better on one side of the ball. Special teams coaches aren't like that's not exactly you know the way to go with the way this organization was headed. So, you know, I, I'm not really too worried about either set of head coaches. I'm trying sure. to say nice things. And the off chance comes back to bite me. But um, yeah, I'm not really they're, they're fine. They're fine. But McDaniels is, is definitely the worrisome one. Derek yeah, I think... Carr, I mean, uh, yeah, it, speaking of him, you know, it's good that he's heading into the last year of his contract and they hired the guy who drafted Tim Tebow and traded up for him to replace him. So, I mean, you know, that <laughs> you, you could, that's a great talent evaluator. Yeah, I, I think the whole thing with McDaniels is just a little weird because, I mean, typically we see NFL teams go in like the opposite direction when they hire new head coaches, right? Like that's what we're seeing with the Broncos. Like you could not be more different than Vic Mangio and Nathaniel Hackett. Um, but I feel like McDaniels and Gruden, like at least are similar personalities. Maybe obviously I hope McDonald's McDaniels doesn't have the racist emails and things like that, but from like a schematic standpoint, like they're going to do similar things on offense. Like they're going to keep things relatively similar on offense with Derek Carr, the two tight ends. That was like the thing that came out today is that, uh, McDaniels would want to really involve Darren Waller and, uh, Foster Moreau. And obviously, I think that makes sense. And I think you have some parallel play between Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels. So, I, like, I think that's a little weird. It's going to be interesting to see who he hires on defense because initially it was like, oh, he's going to hire Wink Martindale, who could not be more different than Gus Bradley, right? You go from lowest blitz rate in the league to highest blitz rate in the league and highest zone rate to lowest zone rate. And then now it's like, well, he might hire this uh, Sean Desai guy from Chicago, who's also a Fangio disciple. So it's like, that's also really different than like Gus Bradley. So they turned over their defensive roster a ton this past year, and they're going to have to do it again this year. And if they go into a 3-4 defense, like what do you do with Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, who've been primarily 4-3 rushers? You know, what do you do with the defensive line that they, again, revamped? You bring in Solomon Thomas, you bring in, uh Darius Filan and all these guys so it's that's gonna be interesting to see there but <clears throat> I think the Hackett hire is good like I think the problem in Denver these last few years has really been the quarterback position and really like the lack of development and that's kind of Hackett's calling card obviously Aaron Rodgers doesn't need a ton of development but kind of molding you know and, and working with him to fit that offense and then he actually really did great work with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville 
and Jacksonville got worse after he left. So I don't know. Like, I think if you're a Broncos fan, you're probably feeling really good about this hiring just because this is a guy who theoretically specializes in developing quarterbacks and, um, you know, working the offense, which they have never really had outside of that one year with uh, Kubiak. But um, I think the Haga hire is solid. I probably would have, you know, gone in another direction, but the Raiders hire is, is just weird to me. It doesn't make any sense. I wonder if, if the Broncos sort of knew that there's a strong possibility that they'd move on from Fangio given everything this year. And then they'd have, they would just take their quarterback when they had their next offensive head coach to then kind of decide which yeah. guy they wanted. Cause they went, they, I mean, obviously they went with Sertan, which was a great pick. It just obviously wasn't fields or, or somebody else. So I, I'm curious if, if now they're going to go and get that quarterback or if they're going to go one more bridge here. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's going to have to be something we'll keep an eye on. And uh, like Alex said, Ian Rappaport did do a story today that the expectation is that the Packers are going to franchise tag Devonte Adams. Uh, and also that Devonte Adams wants $30 million per year in free agency. If he does hit free agency. So uh, you can officially cross him off the list. If you were thinking the Chargers go, could go get him. Um, and Aaron obviously has one year left on his contract. So if Aaron does decide to leave, demand a trade, then I think, you know, the Broncos would have to give up a ton to go get him. But, you know, I think that would make things more fun out here. And, you know, we'll have to see when we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, let's not have more fun. I want Rogers. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, make, thing, make things more fun for who, not us. <laughs> hey, man, listen, I, I happen to think that the Broncos are not just an Aaron Rodgers away from winning a Super Bowl. I think obviously they'll be better and obviously they'll connect. They'll contend for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. But that defense had issues. And it really was Vic kind of pulling that thing together. And outside of Sertan and maybe Bradley Chubb, like the, and Justin Simmons, of course, but they don't have like a ton of great players on defense anymore. And offensively, you know, I happen to think their offensive line was bad this year. So mm-hmm. I think them getting Aaron would be more fun to watch as a casual NFL fan. But as like a Chargers fan, I'm not like super worried about them being like a Super Bowl team if they get Aaron. No. Just stop. Stop talking. No, I will say if if Rogers joins the Broncos, the Chargers are just going to always split in Denver or against Denver, no matter what. They just can't win in Denver. So if the Packers, excuse me, sorry, if the Broncos could beat the Chiefs once and help the Chargers out, yeah, that would work out. Because when was the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs? Hasn't it been never with Mahomes? Uh, No, Mahomes has never lost to the Broncos. Yeah. So if you could help change that and the Chargers still split with the Broncos. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, but my thing is this, Alex. Like, the Packers haven't been to the Super Bowl, and the Packers roster the last two years is better than the Broncos roster right now. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I would rather have uh, Aaron Rodgers starting for the. Oh than sure, Drew Locke. <laughs> sure, <laughs> of course. If they can start I, Drew Locke, I would rather than I would rather them take Kenny Pickett than start Aaron Rodgers. Like <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't want to take my chances and have you know. Uh, Rogers, Herbert, and Mahomes in the same division, you know, making it harder for the Chargers to, you know, win. And, you know, we if if we're saying we would guarantee a split with Denver, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not guaranteeing a split against regular season Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> Who, you know, always uh, comes sure. to play. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just, I get where you're coming from, but I, I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, I mean, like, obviously, if they want to start Drew Locke or uh, Pickett or whoever, like, go for it. I'm just saying that. I don't think the Broncos are an Aaron Rodgers away from winning a Super Bowl. I think they could get Aaron and 
maybe contend for a playoff spot, but I don't know. I think that roster is a little overvalued is, is really my point here. All right. Uh, let's hop into some actual Chargers talk. Obviously, uh, this is a Chargers podcast, so um, this is going to be a fun one. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of tone this has. But we're going to talk about uh, the defensive line and linebacker rooms as, as uh, well as the edge rusher room, if we particularly have time. Um, and, and we've <laughs> seen a lot of negativity and in, in, in participating in that negativity towards the run defense. And we can certainly talk about that. But I want to start with a positive takeaway if we have one uh, about the defensive line in particular. So, Tyler, if you have a positive takeaway from the defensive line season, what would it be? Okay, so this is contradicted by the stats and where Justin Jones ended up. But to me, like on the field, when Justin Jones was playing, I do think he was playing pretty well. The difference obviously being that he's not always on the field. And that's a huge, huge, huge issue and a reason they could let him go. But I thought, you know, for all the hype we had been hearing about him, I think when he was on the field, I think he played well. I also think two two positives. Hang in there. I also think that Braden Fajoko, and we'll keep saying it, played well when he was on the field. Uh, A whole different story about why he wasn't on the field. (laughs) But when he was on the field, he led the entire NFL in run stop rate. And it doesn't get better than that. So when he was on the field, he was doing his job better than any, I guess against the run, better than any other defensive player in the NFL, according to that rate. So those two guys, I think, look really solid. Positive. It can't get worse. (laughs) 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 I mean, yeah, I I see that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Justin Jones is definitely a positive takeaway. And I wish that the production would, reflect that because you know you could see just the difference that having him on the field versus off the field made with this team um you know from a leadership standpoint i think he really stepped up in a big way this season and i think the team needs that they need his juice they need his energy um like i said i wish that it turned into more production which could actually be a bit of a benefit for the chargers in terms of uh re-signing him because i don't think he would really cost that much on the open market um, because he's been injured, because he didn't produce like a ton. So I think Justin Jones will be back, and I think his play is absolutely a positive takeaway. Um, you know, Tyler mentioned Braden Fajoko. I think that was fun, too. Um, that's tough for me, though, because, like, <laughs> I, I was really, like, trending towards wanting Linval Joseph back, you know, through the first 10 of games. Course. Like, he was mm-hmm. completely balling out and looked like a totally re-energized player. So, mm-hmm. That's teetering on the negative takeaway for me, but I think if you look at the first 10 games of Linvaugh when he was healthy, of course, pre-COVID, he was awesome. I, I'm worried there about the age in particular. Like, mm-hmm. could he potentially, you know, come back next year and play great and be healthy? Sure. But, you know, just the likelihood of him doing that again at his age is not super high for me. So I, I wish Linvaugh had played consistently and stayed healthy but just the the age and the injury and the COVID is concerning for me yeah I think it's just one of those things where I mean it sort of reminds me of where we were with like Brandon Meebane a little bit Um, not that Linval was quite at that level of like washed but um, is getting a little bit older uh, did struggle a lot after the Eagles game partially due to COVID partially due to you know other injuries he was dealing with 
Um, I, I just feel like that's one of those where you move on. And if you were to bring Linval Joseph back, it's just sort of like, what do we mean by defensive line improvement at that point? Because then we're right. running back Linval Joseph, Jerry Tillery, uh, potentially Justin Jones. And then, you know, we're kind of back at square one at that point, unless you, you know, go draft or, you know, make a big splash free agent signing. Um, so yeah, no, I think you have to let him walk. I assume Christian Covington probably isn't back. I think Justin Jones is the big question mark and I see it from both standpoints where you can kind of say, well, you know, there was incremental improvement and I do believe in rewarding, um, you know, guys who produce on rookie contracts, right. And guys who are continuously getting better. Um, and for someone who was a third round pick and is playing a lot better than someone who was a first round pick on that line. Um, I think that that's worth uh, pointing out. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think he deserves uh, a second contract. Whether or not he's going to get one is going to depend on, obviously, what they do with Kaiser White, who we'll talk about a little bit later, um, and, you know, what they do with the rest of their free agent decisions as well. Um, so I can kind of see the argument for both sides of re-signing Justin Jones, but to me, uh, I, I would currently, as it stands, you know, make the decision to re-sign him and also you know, go get your Akeem Hicks, your Sebastian Joseph Day, as people have been talking about, and, and try to kind of boost the defensive line in free agency because it does need one outside of Justin Jones and outside of the guys uh, that are currently free agents or uh, on the roster. Yeah, no, I expect them to put their money where their mouth is and, and really revamp this line and add some depth. The big question here, uh, as Ryan points out, is Jerry Tillery is the former first-round pick. Uh, obviously, you know, I was much higher on him potentially breaking out than most. That was a big swing in the miss for me and I will own that. And unfortunately I was wrong. Um, if you listen to Brandon Staley, you probably think he was right. Um, but the Jerry Tillery thing is really tough because, uh, and I understand like he should be a, a complimentary player at this point, but Brandon Staley loves this guy. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I wish I could see what was happening, but I mean, he's, he's too good to play in the preseason and he's improving mm -hmm. like crazy and he, he's a much better run defender. So like, it's such a tough situation because <sighs> if he were the fourth defensive tackle and he weren't a first round pick, I'd be like, okay, like, sure, whatever. But he is a former first round pick and he is probably starting and like whoever they sign or draft, like, I'm sorry, like Jerry Tillery is going to be starting alongside whoever the nose tackle is and Justin Jones if they bring him back. Like, they're not benching Jerry Tillery until they absolutely have to, which is just, it's really right. unfortunate, but that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, there's a lot of smoke <laughs> to the fire that Tillery is this favored child sort of thing. Um, you know, I know earlier in the year, Stephen, you had heard that he was the golden child. Um, then Joe exactly. Reedy comes out and use you're right. And then Joe Reedy comes out and uses a similar phrase on Twitter, which I thought was really interesting. And then you and I, Stephen, both in separate conversations, heard about accountability being an issue. And I'm hearing that word getting brought up accountability. Now, you know, I think people can say, well, the general manager is making the coach do this. I guess that's possible. And there are all sorts of theories and, you know, conspiracy or not. But it does sound like accountability is the issue. And to me, that does kind of come down to coaching, especially on this interior defensive line where you, you know, see that they've, like, it's not like they bent. Well, no, they didn't have a preseason for Tillery before. But like them letting Tillery sit out feels kind of like a coaching thing. 
the way they've manipulated the interior defensive line roster, cutting a Telesco pick to bring in Staley's guy. That kind of feels like a coaching thing to me. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting conversation. Some of it you can see, some of it just with conversations you can hear that accountability is a real issue, and it does sound like Tillery is going to start. So the other word that gets brought up that I thought was interesting was reconstruction. And that's that, you know, if Tillery is the, I mean, the word that I was told, reconstruction. And if Tillery is the starter, obviously, to me, reconstruction means that Joseph and Jones are both gone, in my opinion. And I think that does make sense. Um, you know, one, because, you know, Joseph and Jones are, are, are unreliable at this point, whether it's health, age, or both. You know, they made plays, but they can't be counted on for 17 games in a run. Um, Steven, as you pointed out in your in your free agent video, it's a deep free agent group for defensive tackles. Whether they fit what they want, I don't know, but it's certainly a deep group. Um, Staley has come out and said that they're going to make changes along the defensive line. Uh, Telesco has said that not every starter on this defense will return. It could just mean Chris Harris Jr., but I think it does go further than that. So, I don't know. To me, like we know we, at this point, we know Tillery is starting. He is the yeah. favorite child, whether that's just the GM, just the coach, or both, whatever. But for whatever reason, he is going to start, you know, and then listen, you know, they're going to reconstruct this roster or this interior defensive group. And we know that based on what the coaches have said, based on what we heard, based on what we guess, you know, Telesco is going to take that reactionary approach and, you know, like, oh, I should fix the offensive line. I'll do that now. And then he does it. And it's like, oh, well, now I need to fix the defensive line. So I'll do that now. It's not, you know, it's not preemptive. It's definitely reactionary, but it seems like he's going to be doing that. And, you know, it was interesting. I, I you know, I had heard earlier this year, I think this is an exaggeration that they would add three defensive tackles in the draft. I was really early this year. I do think that's an exaggeration once you factor in free agency. But I mean, they have 11 picks. They need a nose tackle. They need a defensive tackle. They need someone to replace Covington, um, some sort of backup, a late rotation guy. So they may not add three defensive tackles in the draft, but I think adding three overall, you know, in general could make sense at this point. And then I, I literally just asked, and the current update is that there's there's no doubt that they sign and draft a defensive tackle. So there's reconstruction on the way for this group. I think Tillery is going to be the starter. I think he's the penciled in starter. There's no accountability. He is going to be the starter regardless. And I think the other next two guys on the other side of him or you know next to him are not going to be back. So I think big changes are on the way for this group, except for the guy that most of us want to get rid of. <laughs> it's great stuff. It's awesome. Look at look at a uh, Asian Rappaport over here just dropping scoop after bomb after scoop. I mean, it's it's great. Um, <laughs> no, I um, I don't know. I the thing with Jerry Tillery is you know he's going to start, like Tyler said, and I I sort of think the problem is like, can you have a good defensive line with him playing 70 or 80 percent of the snaps um and i ask this because jerry tillery is a bad run defender like he's an right. okay pass rusher right like and and i get why staley likes him um you know he, he people mentioned you know he the, the hit on mac jones and you know the energy he brings and he, and he can get into the backfield and make some plays i i don't think there's any disputing that but like you 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 he's such a liability in that regard because he's, he's getting easily pushed around in the trenches. And I, I don't, I don't know how you, I guess, I guess this is the challenge going forward is how do you get that pass rush production while also not sacrificing the things that the Chargers really struggled with this year, right. Which is stopping the run. So, you know, is Jerry Tillery's, let's say he, 
you know, breaks a sack record and gets five sacks next year. Um, <laughs> let, let's say he gets five sacks and ups his production and pass rushing stats. Is that worth, I guess, the, you know, drawbacks of that, which are you're going to give up a lot of, you know, rushing yards unless you really improve everything else right. around him. And even in that scenario, he could still get gashed in the run game. Um, so, like, I don't know. I, I, I've come to terms with the fact that Jerry Tillery is going to be on this team for at least one year. Pray to God it's not more and they don't pick up the fifth-year option. Um, but, like, I just don't see how you can have a defensive line. I think you can have a defensive line that is above average good. But, like, I don't think you can have an, a truly elite defensive line with Jerry Tillery on it because I just think he's taking up space and he's going to lose in the trenches like very frequently. And we saw that a lot in games, unfortunately. So for all the upgrades and pass rushing production that you could get from him, I just think it's hard to like, yeah, okay. Throw Sebastian Joseph day in there. Keem Hicks. But I I, I don't really get how you improve it uh, when you're going to be asking Jerry Tillery to still play that amount of snaps in that volume. I think certainly it can improve, but it's it's going to be like starting Storm Norton at right tackle for 16 games, right? Like it, it's this, basically the same thing. Maybe Tillery is probably a little bit higher tier than than Storm is, and I would think so. But, you know, my biggest issue here is kind of what Craig is pointing out in the chat is that if you use Tillery as a situational pass rusher, then I'm fine with that. But Jerry Tillery had logged more snaps this season than both Joey Bosa and Uchenna Unwosu along the defensive line. Of course, they play different positions, but Jerry Tillery is playing 85, 80% of the snaps. That's kind of ridiculous. And that really counteracts the whole like aspect of defensive line. Like you want to keep your guys fresh. You want to have a rotation. And of course, some of that is being able to rely upon, you know, the players behind him, which we never really saw, but I think my biggest issue with like revamping this and, and going forward is are we ever going to see them actually have like a true rotation or is this always going to be Tillery or one three technique playing 85% of the snaps, 80% of the snaps, which just, you don't see that along, you know, great defensive lines. I mean, we just saw the 49ers have a great defensive line and, you know, they're rotating eight, nine guys in there. You know, they're rotating DJ Jones and Arjun Arden Key and Eric Armstead and like all these guys and the Chargers are just like, all right, well, here's 70 snaps of Jerry Tillery. So I think the defensive line can absolutely improve. Like, I, I think if you get a Sebastian Joseph Day, Akeem Hicks, you know, we'll see who they draft and things like that. Like it can improve. And I don't know how much of an improvement this team truly needs, like to reach its ceiling where we want this team to go. But my biggest issue there is a rotation because in an ideal world, you know, like let's say you sign Sebastian Joseph day, re-sign Justin Jones, hopefully add somebody else via the draft or free agency as well. And you have brain Fahoko that gives you five capable bodies, but you need to rotate those guys. Like you can't just keep having this same lack of rotation where your backup nose tackle is playing seven snaps and your backup three technique is playing 20 snaps. Like you need to have a healthy rotation there which I, I hope is something that improves. Yeah, well, that's why they tried to bring Banks on to make that rotation really good. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just don't even need... I mean, yes, the Rams have Aaron Donald, but they also have Greg Gaines. They have right. Joseph Day, Ashawn Robinson. Like, these guys that just go out there and do their jobs. Are they the biggest names and the biggest stars? You know, Are they Vita Vea? No. Are they Aaron Donald? No. But they're guys that just go out there, rotate, and do their jobs. 
and the Chargers are just going to let Jerry Tillery have at it for another year. I mean, I don't know how much worse he could like. I think at this point he's kind of where he is, and maybe he'll improve right. a tiny bit more because he's in a familiar system now and he has an official offseason. The same things we say all the time. Yeah. But like it's just they're gonna rock with it. And this whole year really is about them rocking with their first round picks. Yeah, and I guess that brings us <laughs> I don't know if we want to start touching on the linebacker room. Yeah, um but that brings us to Kenneth Murray uh and what the Chargers grand vision is for him uh going forward and it also brings us to of course Kaiser White uh who the Chargers have to decide to sign or not resign after playing his lowest snap percentage in uh week 18 uh against the Raiders and um I I don't know what they're gonna do uh, I know exclusive uh insider uh extraordinaire Tyler Schoen uh, <laughs> has an idea of what they're going to do but to me, I think it's one of those things where you probably have to bring Kaiser White back because, like, if you're going to play Jerry Tillery, <laughs> you have to be able to right. stop the run somewhere. Right. Um, and Kaiser White is their best run defender in the linebacker room. So, uh, you know, but there's also the first round pick thing, which we've talked about with Tom Telesco, and that's why Jerry Tillery is going to be starting next year. And it's probably why Kenneth Murray also is going to be starting next year. Um, so, that's really the challenge is like, okay, well, if you have Jerry Tillery and Kenneth Murray in these big starting roles, whereas, you know, you could have, you know, a pass rusher that you get in free agency plus Kaiser White back there. Like, I think people would just be a lot more comfortable with that kind of an arrangement and it would make a lot more yeah. football sense, if you will. Um, so I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I do think it's one of those things where, and this is why we decided to do the episode this way why the defensive line and linebacker rooms are related in, in this free agency. It's like, well, if you bring back Justin Jones, that's going to directly affect potentially bringing back Kaiser White. And if you don't bring back Justin Jones, then, or if you bring back neither, then that's going to adversely affect the run defense before you even start free agency. Right. Um, so I, I don't know what the chargers are going to do, but there does seem to be this problem where, you know, I know Staley doesn't value linebackers. We we saw that with the Rams defense, but at the same time, it's like, okay, then why, if you don't value linebackers, then why is it so important to play Kenneth Murray this amount of snaps, right? right? Like uh, that, that's something that I don't personally get either. Um, I hope both of them, you know, uh, Kenneth Murray and Jerry Tillery, they will be on the team next year. Um I hope both of them ball out and, and prove us all wrong. But from what we've seen from them, the, the last two years in particular, uh, I just, I just don't see how you could build this defensive line and, you know, improve this run defense in such a way around them as liabilities that it makes it okay for Kaiser white or Dustin Jones to be able to walk. Yeah. You know, you and Craig are both making, you know, very similar and great points about the Staley defense, right? Like it doesn't necessarily value the linebacker position. And we've seen that in Denver. We saw that with the Rams last year. The problem there is that you have a bad defensive line and not great depth at safety, which is kind of the alternative. Like, you know, we just saw the Rams kind of carry this over. The only linebacker who saw significant snaps tonight for them was Troy Reader and everything else was all, it was all safety looks. So, if the plan is to like add more safeties and get better on that back end, like sure, I guess I can understand, but you still need to play a linebacker and Kaiser White was far and away 
your best linebacker. So, you know, that's the positive takeaway, right? Of course, you know, Kaiser White balling out and playing the best ball of his career. Like that's a positive takeaway. Um, you know, it just kind of sucks because if they do let him walk, then you're just, you're getting significantly worse. And of course, like Kenneth Murray is, is kind of the focus there, but Drew Tranquil is approaching that same kind of category for me because he's always had these injury concerns. He's not great against the run. Like he's very solid in coverage and I totally get that. But replacing Kaiser White and whoever is next to him with just the two guys behind him, like that, that makes the defense worse. And if you're playing more safeties or not, I'm just frustrated by this whole thing. And, you know, Tyler can get into it more. But for me personally, like, I thought that Kaiser White was going to be a must resign and then the Raiders game happened. Then then Kenneth Murray is the best coverage linebacker on the team and Kenneth uh, Murray is playing on Jesus. third downs and Kenneth Murray is doing all this stuff and so that to me is like the seed of my doubt and then just talking with Jason on <laughs> on Twitter and he was really like the first one that was like they're going to let him walk aren't they and it just there were no questions about Kaiser White at the press conferences none you know we got like 13 questions about tom Telesco's resume and jerry tillery and kenneth murray yeah, and all course. these guys and uchenna and wosu got his time and mike williams got his time we had zero questions about kaiser white and to me this just feels exactly like adrian phillips like you have a guy be stuck on the depth chart and be a solid player and then as soon as he gets his time to shine he has a fantastic season. He has a career year. He balls out. And then it's like, well, he's too expensive for us to re-sign. And it's like, are they really, though? Like, Adrian Phillips walks for pennies. And I'm, I I think Kaiser White will get more money than Adrian Definitely. Phillips got in New England. But it, it just feels like very similar vibes. And again, if White had played the entire game against the Raiders, and if we had gotten some Kaiser White questions at the press conferences, I would probably feel very differently. But right now, it just feels like Adrian Phillips 2.0, and it sucks. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it too. And going back to the Jerry, you know, why we're connecting these episodes or these two position groups, you know, I think Kenneth Murray was kind of at a, you know, put at a disadvantage, and the coaches did him a disservice last season by moving him around. And part of that was out of necessity. They had to find some sort of role for him. Again, partially that first round bias sort of thing. But now they're going to, it seems like, keep Jerry Tillery there in that starting role. And I think maybe I think the interior could be better. Like if they draft someone good and they sign someone who's good, I think Kenneth Murray would be in a better position. But right now, if they don't do anything about Tillery, you're going to have some of those issues. That's not going to help Kenneth Murray on the next level. And so I think they're already setting him up for more failure by just being like, I don't know, uh, same group and uh, good luck. So, okay, <laughs> this Kaiser White one's been fun. And I think the day <laughs> after the, the Raiders game, I think we all were like, well, what does that mean for Kaiser White then if Kenneth Murray is out there and they clearly showed that Kaiser White was the 1B? You know, it's not like Kaiser White was hurt. It's not like he'd been playing poorly. It's not like there's really any reason to not have him out there right. except for that Kenneth Murray guy. So I guess first I want to talk about it on a, like, why it makes – like, I don't want – I want Kaiser White back. The idea of having Murray and Tranquil out there right now does not sound good, and they have not done anything yet to address the interior defensive line. So right now, that sounds really scary, <laughs> but okay. So let's talk about why White wouldn't return, even though I disagree with it. One, it does seem like if the de interior defensive line is being reconstructed with the draft, whatever, and you know if you have to play Mike Williams and Shannon Wosu, 
you have like we talked about you just you, you just can't always pay everybody like somebody right. is not going to return like even if you liked everybody you offered everybody someone is just going to get more money somewhere you know i was even talking to arjun about it and you know he agrees like paying off ball linebackers typically eight million dollars or more just isn't really worth it and as craig pointed it out um, alex pointed out in this defense they're not exactly a priority so taking that eight million dollars and giving it to a right tackle or you know defensive lineman part of it going to an edge rusher that is technically more valuable um another team could obviously throw the bag at him i think i want to say it was popper last year who said that the chargers were interested in keeping henry around but then the patriots were like here's 13 million dollars a year and the Chargers <laughs> were like never mind you know that's another position where it's not a super valuable position you want him back but not at that now white's not getting 13 million dollars a year i don't think but Telesco won't exactly just sit there and be like, well, I'll just keep upping the price, you know, and paying with this fun money. Yay. You know, he's going to be sort of rational about it. Um, and then the same thing with Henry. They prepared for his departure in some sort of ways ahead of time. So they sign NFL free agent um, Steven Anderson. They go find XFL player Donna Parham. They get undrafted free agent Gabe Neighbors, you know, and so that's an, a free agent, XFL player, um, an undrafted free agent. And then this past year, if you look at linebacker, right, they have a draft pick. They find an undrafted free agent who played significant snaps. They already had a first-round pick from 2020. They had another fourth-round pick from 2019. So they were definitely preparing for it in the same sort of way that they prepared for Henry's departure. And with Henry's departure, they also just brought in Jared Cook, and they drafted uh, Trey McKitty, and that's how they kind of worked with that you know, position group. That isn't super valuable, but you can kind of make it work with a rotation, I guess. But then, yeah, like you said, we, this is all speculation until we get to the part where Kaiser White <laughs> went from 100% of the snaps, 100% of the snaps, 100% of the snaps to 71% that last week. And you and I were out, Stephen and I were sitting there live going, what is happening? Did, did someone get hurt? Is there a concussion, equipment malfunction? Is there anything? And it turns out they think he's just the best coverage linebacker as he's slamming, you know, what's his name, down the <laughs> sideline for a 20-yard defensive pass interference. That's your best coverage linebacker um so all that's why i don't think he would return anyway and then you have a conversation which is now why i'm saying just don't even bother thinking about it the exact words that i got were hope he returns but it's a reach you have a first round linebacker you paid last year the only option is to go draft one so yes i don't think he would return at this point anyway but that is obviously not that great so when you have that conversation when you're confident he's gone anyway, that's why I'm very confident that Kaiser White is not returning. The word is reach. It is not, you know, an impossibility that he returns, but the word currently is reach. And based on their needs, based on the way they see him, you know, they value linebackers in this defense, based on having Kenneth Murray and the bias that they've shown to first round picks, based on that conversation, I don't think Kaiser White is back next season. If he is, awesome. You know, again, the word is reach, not impossible, but it doesn't sound like he's returning. And that is really frustrating because you, know, you go from Jerry Tillery, first level, to Kenneth Murray, second level, and you're trying to make this run defense work. And I just don't know if it will. This front seven is really concerning to me. They're going all in on their first-round picks this year, including Mike Williams, who they're going to pay a lot, and Derwin James, who they're going to extend, which is, like, fine. Obviously, Derwin James, you know, he deserves it. But, you know, they're going all in on the first-round picks, and that does include two guys who contribute to the run defense being as bad as it is. And that might be the reason that they don't make the Super Bowl or this game or that, whatever. They're all in on these first round picks and Kaiser White is going to be gone. And you know, he's going to go somewhere. Maybe the Rams, maybe Green Bay. I know there's cap issues, but smart teams figure it out. 
He's going to go be an all pro somewhere and we're all going to regret it. Just like we kind of always do. <sighs> Yay. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously I wish that I, I hope that Kenneth Murray becomes the player that, you know, we were all so excited about when they drafted him. I mean, there was a great story today about him. Uh, I forget the specific details. You know, he did some heroic thing again, as, as Kenneth Murray tends to do, but, I think there is a world in which Kenneth Murray becomes a valuable player going forward, but it's, it's asking a lot. Like my issues with Kenneth Murray are not the lack of talent or lack of physical ability. It's just him reading things. Like he does not shed blocks particularly well. And then you add in the fact that he cannot, you know, read ball he, he cannot find the ball like it, it's really that simple and you look at you know there's a clip against the Steelers where the Steelers run a fake jet sweep and then they run to the right and everybody goes to the right and then Kenneth Murray goes with the jet sweep guy and you're like what what are you looking at so if it's a big big if if Kenneth Murray fixes his eyes I think he can be a good player. Like, like if he can figure out how to read offenses, then great. But I, it's just, it's hard for me to look at potentially losing Kaiser white and think that this defense is going to prove it. And, and, you know, Craig points this out. I've, I've given Craig a lot of shout outs tonight, but if you get me an elite defensive line, and if you get me some more safety depth, viable safety depth behind Derwin James, then I can make it work. You know, I can take 15 snaps of Derwin James, put him in the box instead of another linebacker, and I can take some quality safeties. Then I can make it work. <laughs> but if you're telling me I'm going to get the same damn rotation and lose Kaiser White and put in Kenneth Murray, then it's going to be a problem. So, like, I just wish I knew, like, what the plan was because the whole thing that Staley talked about in the spring was like, oh, I didn't use linebackers last year because I didn't have any. Now I have Kaiser White and Andrew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray, and now you're potentially losing the best linebacker. So it just, <clears throat> I uh, I don't know. I'm confused. Like, are we getting more safeties? Are we getting a better defensive line? Like, it's just annoying. It's weird vibes right now on the defense. Yeah, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about on the um, defensive line in particular with, like, Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones. It's like, well not just the bias for first round picks, but that you're not rewarding production, right? Um, right. Kaiser just had, you know, the season of his career um, after a lot of people were asking him to, you know, have that breakout year and now we're just going to let him walk, right? Um, and I feel like a lot of organizations, yes, every organization takes a lot of stock and investment into their first round picks, but like they also kind of know when to cut the cord and who to give, preference to when other players are playing well right like the Patriots don't just sit there and go oh and, and kill Harry is sucking so we just have to keep playing him all the time yes no they just go here's Kendrick Bourne here's Nelson Aguilar and here's Jacoby Myers or whatever right like and they just run with it right uh, so that's the kind of thing where it's just like I think that's all about organizational structure and just getting the next guy up who is going to produce right um instead of Kenneth Murray that should be because you're white instead of Jerry Tillery, that should be Justin Jones. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of stuff like that um, currently throughout the roster, um, particularly on the defense that we're talking about. And um, 
now it's sort of making a bet also if Kenneth Murray does improve and he looks more like 2020 Kenneth Murray then maybe it'll work out yeah right then you're probably fine if Jerry Tillery you know ups his production to six or seven sacks instead of (laughs) one more sack let's go (laughs) you know um then you're you can probably get by but I I just don't uh, I I think there's just a very low baseline to the defense right now when you're playing those players so um hope for the best I hope for improvement but if you're not banking on the guys who are producing now then you're just kind of guessing for future production yeah and you know it's just tough for me to sit here and, and look at Kaiser White having the best linebacker season since Donnie Edwards. And it, it feels like the Chargers will almost like set themselves like a limit. Like, okay, Kaiser, like we'll pay you this much. And if anybody else offers you more money than like kick rocks, you can go sign with that team. And I mean, lesser extent, right? Like, but that, that kind of feels like what happened with Rayshon Jenkins. Like it kind of felt like they wanted him mm. back if mm. he was like the right part right price and then the mm. jaguars were like here's yeah. 27 million dollars rayshon <laughs> jenkins come on down so Tax free. yeah yeah <laughs> so honestly like if the if kaiser wants to be back enough and mm-hmm. he, he takes a discount then you know like good for him that can certainly still happen um but again it just kind of feels like they're going to set that bar and be like okay like go find somewhere else and i feel like something similar could happen to justin jones like okay here's the max will pay you if you want to go find more go for it and particularly justin jones like if he wanted to get back to a 4-3 scheme i would not be surprised by that um that being said before we get into like how we want to improve one thing i will say in terms of another positive and maybe we should have led this with led with this one it seems like nick neiman is like kind of becoming a special teams ace like i mean he right. was on the rookie team for special teams and I mean, he led the team in special teams tackles, and obviously Tyler feels great about that because, you know, we had him on our mock drafts. But I feel like Nick Neiman, there's something there in terms of, like, a depth piece, special teams impact player, um, you know, maybe kind of like best case Nick DeZubnar sort of thing. (laughs) Um, What a ceiling. (laughs) But I do think, like, I do think that Nick Neiman could be, like, a valuable third linebacker down the road. Uh, if given the chance. So wanted to give a shout out to Neiman because I do think he had a good rookie season, at least in terms of special teams. And I think we saw some of the flashes, you know, against the Ravens and against the Texans and in the preseason. So I, I do think there's something there with Nick Neiman. Depends on what they, uh, dis- who they decide to replace right. Darius Swinton with, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever yes. that is. Um, yeah. Nick Neiman did. Yeah, listen, they drafted everyone's like, Oh, you can't draft guys just to play special teams. But that's kind of all he did. And hey, you know, he was fourth or fourth most special teams tackles in the NFL. I'll take it. You know, the Chargers always seem to have someone up there in the top five. They just keep replacing them every year. But at least you have a guy you have for a few more years now. So that's good. My only concern and the whole concern of the linebacker group is just how they evaluate these guys. I don't know what he's looking like in practice. Right. But to me, Neiman is the guy you drafted who is a much higher ceiling as an athlete and in coverage than Ogbong Bamiga, yet Ogbong Bamiga got that start and he got juked out by Rex Burkhead. So, you know, going with yeah. someone like Neiman, I thought would have been the better choice, especially after in the preseason, he was arguably the best player for them in the preseason. Not that there weren't mistakes, but he's a guy like, that's kind of the guy you should roll with. 
but they went with Ogbong Bamiga instead. So I assume they'll do the same thing this year. And, you know, I'd like for him to get more snaps, but it doesn't sound like he will. So it'll be Tranquil and, you know, and Kenneth Murray. And then the backup's going to be Eamon Ogbong Bamiga instead of the guy that they drafted. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Great vibes with the linebackers on today. Oh, yeah. Show. Um, <laughs> that being said, we didn't really talk about this with the defensive line, but I, I want to get your guys' thoughts here uh, on how you would go about improving the defensive line. And then, of course, the linebackers. Um, you know, I did a little bit of this on uh, my own with the composite defensive tackle rankings, which I did last week. Um, but let, let's, let's kind of walk this out a little bit in terms of the scenarios here. So, Alex, we'll start with you. How would you go about improving the defensive line? Of You can mention specific names if you want to or just more general strategies. But how are you hoping the team goes about solving this defensive line going forward? I mean, I think the first thing is replacing Linval Joseph. You do have to replace Linval Joseph with a nose tackle who is preferably younger. Um, you know, everyone's talked about kind of all the guys that we've mentioned potentially in the draft. If you want to go the route of a Jordan Davis, if you want to go the route of a Sebastian Joseph Day, whatever that route um, sort of ends up being, I do think that's the first uh, kind of priority you have to do is figure out who's going to be that nose tackle in this 3-4 defense. Um, then I think outside of that, figuring out what role Jerry Tillery is going to play. If he's going to be a starter that's going to play 70, 80% of the snaps, or is he going to be a rotational pass rusher? Because I think that really determines what the ceiling for this defensive line is. Um, and then I think you're talking about kind of getting someone who's more of a pass rusher and a run stuffer type. Um, if they wanted to go after Akeem Hicks or also, you know, maybe someone who can get that production um, elsewhere in free agency, I think that would be interesting. Um, but there, there's a lot of interesting defensive tackles. People have mentioned DJ Jones, um, you know, uh, who's uh, <clears throat> falling out himself, just had a good game uh, against the Rams. So we'll see what happens going forward. Um, but for me, it's just about getting more talent, um, sort of replacing the guys that they currently have right now that led to a 28th ranked run defense. Um, yeah. And I do think there's a conversation to potentially be had about Uchenna Nwosu. Um, I don't know if they're going to re-sign him, and we haven't talked a lot about Edge, but it is an interesting Edge free agent class. Um, you know, I mean, someone like Von Miller is going to be a free agent. Uh, you do have Jadavion Clowney if you wanted to boost the run defense on the Edge, um, if they were to move on from someone like Uchenna Nwosu. Um, so I don't really know what they're going to do, but if they did kind of want to fortify that, um, that's something that kind of gives you a little bit more margin for error in the interior um, of your defensive line, just having that pass rush run defense presence on the edge. So um, I don't know what they're going to end up doing with Uchenna Nwosu. I would expect him to be back, but I don't know. Uh, so I, I think figuring out the edge spot opposite Joey Bosa is going to be particularly important as well, especially in the event that they decide to move on. Yeah, before uh, Tyler jumps in and gives his thoughts, I I, I would be pretty surprised if Adrian and Wilson were on a different team next year just based off of what mm-hmm. Brandon Staley said after the season, throughout the season, and then Tom Telesco, you know, saying in his press conference, of course, you know, that that can change depending on what kind of market Wilson has. I can't imagine he's going to get a ton just because, there. you know, Alex mentioned the free agency class. You have Harold Landry, you have – uh, Hassan Reddick, who I wanted to sign last year, 
Um, but you have a bunch of these other players who I think are at least like a smidge above Unwosu, if not, you know, a whole tier. Um, but in terms of the edge, and again, we didn't really talk about it a ton, but I think they bring back Unwosu, but then I need I need a legitimate like 2A, 2B situation there um, because Unwosu isn't, you know, that great of a player. Like he is very solid, but I like I need two legitimately solid players alongside Joey Bosa as opposed to what we got this year uh, with Kyler Fackrell. No, I, I completely agree. And it does tie into, into your defensive line, this edge rusher, whether it's the draft class or whatever. I have not really gotten to the edge rusher group. I have not gotten into the interior defensive line group outside of uh, Jordan Davis and um, holy crap, I'm forgetting his name, DeMarvin Leal. Um, yeah. Those guys, I'll have to see how I feel about them once I'm, I'm done with more film study. I'll just take the Jordan Davis scenario, though, just to see, like, you know, what can we do with that? I see, okay. Stephen, that you have two guys that are highlighted on your chart. So I'm not going to talk about those guys you have two very good names there so um, i'll let you talk about those guys me i if well first i would like them to find some sort of defensive tackle free agency obviously the idea that they would go into the draft needing a starting defensive tackle and a starting nose tackle sounds awful so at least i hope one of those is is solved but i think you know getting the high-end defensive tackle whatever they need is probably the priority there and then you can find your your run stuffing nose tackle in the draft or maybe in free agency depending on who's available after the draft or maybe you know cut candidate or whatever so you take let's say you get you draw you sign your defensive tackle someone you're about to mention i'm sure and then you draft jordan davis in the first round which i'm moderately okay with i think i know he's a one two down sort of guy but like chris harrison pointed out people are overthinking it let him just go dominate for two downs because i mean isn't jerry tiller only is okay on one down so if we can get a guy who can do for two downs that's an improvement. That's <laughs> twice the output. So, you know, yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, and then to me, like you said, go get an edge rusher three. Cause I think at that point, like, like a legitimate edge rusher three, I think the chargers, they were at their best as a pass rushing group when they had Ingram and Bosa, but then they also had Echetta and Wosu let right. Ingram ro- roam around, stand up, rush to the a gap or whatever it was, just something crazy. In this particular case, the way they seem to be playing it is move Bosa inside, have the edge rusher. It was Fackwell rush from the outside. And so I think if you find your defensive tackle, you have Jerry Tillery, you get your nose tackle like Jordan Davis. If on third down or obvious passing situations, you want to get your legitimate edge three, put him on the outside, move both on the inside. I think you can find a way to make that work. So that's that's my scenario that I'd go with if I were going to go with Jordan Davis in the first round. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jordan Davis is impressive. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that dude totally. is crazy and he's huge. Yeah, I just look at, like, historically – with nose tackles, you you don't invest a first round pick in a nose tackle, and and you know of course some people will point to Vita Vea, but Vita Vea had legitimate pass pass rush chops mm-hmm. in college, and he had like forty five pressures this right. year in the NFL. So uh, Jordan Davis is not giving you that, and, and I think Davis has value. I think he can absolutely bring a dominant kind of nose tackle that the Chargers have never had uh frankly since jamal williams and i think you know there could be certain value there but i think with jordan davis in particular the thing is everybody kind of points to the lack of a a high snap count as like well he can become a a better pass rusher with a higher snap count and like to me if you're drafting jordan davis you want that snap count around 30 40 like tops a game so he can really do his one thing at the highest level and I just don't know if that one thing is worth a first round pick. And I look at kind of what the Rams have done. Of course, it's the easy comparison, but 
I mean, Greg Gaines was a seventh round pick. Sebastian Josete, a sixth round pick. Like you don't need to invest a high end draft pick or premium free agency capital in the nose tackle position to get like a truly high end nose tackle. So that really is my thing. If it comes in free agency, if they do sign Sebastian Joseph day, I think his pro football focus projection is a little rich. And I think his over the cap projection is a little low. You know, uh, PFF has him at three years for 10 million per and over the cap has him at like one for two and a half. So <laughs> I think that probably is somewhere in the middle there. Um, if they want to sign in, that's great. I know a lot of people are a little worried about the injury. So in terms of the nose tackle, I'm not investing a ton of capital there. I think you could sign an Austin Johnson, who I think, you know, I wanted them to trade for. And I think that him and Brain Fajoko, I think that gives you enough at nose tackle. So really where I would prefer to see them focus the resources are at the three tech and at the four eye and if that requires moving on from Justin Jones, then fine. But they need to get better than Christian Covington. They need to get better than Jerry Tillery. And they need to get better than Justin Jones, frankly. So everybody really is focusing in on the nose tackle. And I get that. But nose tackle wasn't the problem this year. Because Limbaugh, Joseph, and Brain Fajoko were two of the most productive defensive tackles in the league. The problem is the players next to them. So that's kind of where I'm focusing on. I think, you know, in terms of draft prospects, I have a pretty high grade on Travis Jones from Connecticut and Neil Farrell from LSU. And I think you can get those players in the third, fourth round, fifth round, and I think you can be fine. So um, I would prefer to sign a high-end free agent at the three-tech four-I and then also draft somebody there, whether that's uh, Devontae Wyatt or I forget his name from Alabama. I think he goes by Phil. Filarius. Mm. I forget his name. Oh, Federian Mathis? That's the one. So – I think that's the move. If you're going to invest heavily in the defensive line is not the nose. It's the other two positions. Yeah. I, I need to draw. I need to dive into this, into this class more. Cause everyone's like, well, I'll take Davis at 17. It's like, okay, well you could, Yeah, but I have no idea who's after. Like, I just don't know who's after. Him. So <laughs> if there's a, like, if there's a Tyler Shelvin in the third round, I'll freaking do that again. I will mock draft that over and over and over and over again until somebody else ends up taking him and breaking my heart. <laughs> Man, yeah, I love Tyler Sheldon. <laughs> I I think the most interesting thing. I mean, we talked a little bit about Edge, but I think it's going to be what Uchenna Nwosu costs relative to what the rest of the market costs. Because obviously, there's a lot of Edge projections. We sort of projected Uchenna Nwosu would be around 12 mil a year, um, or some somewhere around that. Um, let's say someone like Von Miller were to become available, right? Um, and then, you know, would you rather have him on a short-term deal or Uchenna potentially on a three or four-year deal, right? For around the same around same, around the same amount of money. Um, or, you know, obviously there's now Chandler Jones won't be, won't be that inexpensive, but there are stopgap options. Um, you can kind of right. get in that regard as opposed to re-signing Uchenna for that much money. Um, so I'll be curious to see how much Tom Telesco values the edge position. And also if he's kind of willing to go all in, uh, you know, speaking kind of as a parody of the show at this point. Uh, but, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that's the one thing that people aren't talking about, um, as much, but we'll see because obviously everyone's talking about defensive tackles and how he can improve them. Yeah, I mean, if they want to invest in a high-end 
uh, edge rusher, you know, this offseason, whether that's Vaughn Miller or Jadamian Clowney and Uchenna Mosley. I think they have the money to do that, especially if they're going to sign one of those players on a short one-year deal. So I know the emphasis right now is all in Jordan Davis and solving the nose tackle position. I think it's the other problems there. So, um, you know, I haven't studied a ton of like three tech, four techs. I know Tyler really likes DeMarvin Leal. I really like Devontae Wyatt. Um, I think you could also sign, you know, a Larry Ogunjobi, depending on how his health is. Maybe uh, Fulu Runzo, Fatu Kasi becomes available. Um, so you I, guys I are just they're... making these names up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had to practice that one, man. I, I had to look up how that guy's name was pronounced. So, wow, um, this is going to be a crazy draft season. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, BJ Hill would be fantastic, but uh, after today, I'd be surprised if Cincinnati let him walk after he essentially won that game today um but yeah in, in terms of the linebackers really quickly if they do lose kaiser white um and they want to um add a veteran there i think a sneaky pickup there would be alex anzalone uh from the detroit lions of course was with the new orleans saints for a few years with michael wilhoyt as his position coach and Anzalone's he actually graded out really well in my composite rankings. Fantastic against the pass, more so than against the run. So I could, you know, see something there. And then Quan Alexander uh, is the other one there that's connected to Michael Will Hoyt from his days with the Saints also. So <laughs> everybody's going to ask me about Devin Lloyd. I'm sorry, Alex. People are asking me. So uh, I'm not investing a first-round pick in a linebacker as much as I like Devin Lloyd or N'Kobe Dean. Uh, I think this team has too many other needs at premium positions. Uh, but of course, if the team drafts the best Utah player in its program history, I will be very happy. Oh, I'll talk about Devin Lloyd. You mean future Eagle Devin Lloyd? Oh, how you can't, you know, that's a waste. You cannot put him in that conservative ass coverage scheme and expect to get the most out of him. No, absolutely not. <laughs> All right. People are talking about um, DeMarvin. Is it, it's Leal? I think it's Leal, yeah. Okay, I don't know. People are talking about DeMarvin Leal in the comments. I'm not sure how I feel about him. You can see the hand usage is great. You can see that there's a pass rush. Like, like I, I, I messaged Steven. The first play I saw of him was against Kent State, and he was it was an edge rusher. I'm like, wait, who am I watching? Who is his defensive <laughs> tackle? Like, what is, is his stand-up edge rusher? Like, it's a 3-4 defense or something. Like, what are we doing here? But he does yeah. that. I mean, he moves all over the place. So he's very interesting. I just, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, unfortunately, I watched Jordan Davis. And then I watched Liao, who's a much better pass rusher. But it's like, oh, that's okay. Against the run, that's a big, big, big difference. Yeah. So, you know, is he bad against it? No. Does he flash? Absolutely. He's got good pass rush moves. He's quick. But I don't know how I feel about him just yet. And I don't know if I like him at 17 <laughs> all that much. But the projections are good. Yeah. You know, that was me watching Andrew Booth and Kair Elam and then watching Roger McCreary just stink it up and <laughs> be a passive ass tackler. Yeah. Um, I remember reading one of your guys' tweets. I don't remember whose composite rankings it was, but you could also take a chance on a linebacker who I think can grade well into a contract potentially in the future, right? Um, like I think Alec Ogletree um, would probably yeah. be like a pretty decent addition. Um, talk about uh the rams and brandon staley connections and, and how that works uh micah kaiser free agent uh you know so that would kind of be an interesting way if they decide to go that way um i i'm interested to see if they add a linebacker or if they're just comfortable either re-signing white or yeah. not re-signing white 
and then just rolling with with that they have now because i certainly wouldn't mind more depth there especially if it's cheap depth that can eventually kind of ascend yeah it's really going to be interesting to see how staley kind of remakes this in terms of like just number of players at each position because when at the rams like they only had four linebackers from start to finish last year of course this year they had five you know you had five defensive linemen at one point in the year and then six and uh four edge rushers versus five with the rams last year so you know roster construction i think is going to be an interesting thing to watch there um there was something i was going to say and then i forgot it shoot Someone asked, someone asked a question and I was going to respond to it. Oh, the gritty, the gritty Jared thing is interesting um, because the Falcons have a shit show of cap space at this point. Um, you know, they're, they have like a $48 million cap hit on Mac Ryan on Matt Ryan this year. Um, but there is a world in which the Falcons are kind of the best team in the conference or the division now because Tom Brady is retiring and the Buccaneers have a ton of free agents. So, the, the Falcons can save, I think it's $11 million by cutting Grady Jarrett. If he does, if that does happen, he would be probably my number one free agent target just because I think that's a perfect fit for him. He was uh, in a 3-4 scheme in college, I believe, and I think he still has a ton of disruptive ball. Of course, it's a position of need. So that's definitely something I'm keeping an eye on. I talked to a couple Falcons podcasters um reaching out to them a couple weeks ago and they seem to think that the falcons would do it because they have so many other needs besides defensive tackle and jared doesn't really fit the timeline so and they have the calvin ridney mess potentially um so grady jared is somebody that i'm definitely keeping my eye on uh and if he does get cut then 100 sign me up that's free agent target number one for me if that happens yeah i like it i mean again finding some sort of three tech the Jones replacement in free agency, I think, is is the yeah. way to go. I'm I'm totally okay with that. And then I'm I'm still leaning corner at 17, but I haven't gotten to that class. I'm curious how much these the quantity of draft picks that they have is going to affect how they build this roster. Because like, is there someone we're not talking about at another maybe in a different position that's just not going to make the team we think they would because they have just they have four seventh round picks. I mean, someone's yeah. going to be on like they have, they have to fit potentially 11 new people on the team are 11 people, you know, enough people departing that we expect to depart this season. I don't know. Do they move? I I don't know. I don't know. How often do, how often do teams have double digit picks and then retain all of those picks? I mean, I I, I don't think they're going to make all those selections with the spots they have on the roster. I mean, considering what they're doing, they'll do in free agency and also they can trade up in the draft. Right. So, I mean, you can probably, you know, turn a fifth round pick into a fourth or something if you package together a couple sevenths, right? Or you could use that for special teams depth and then trade up earlier if you wanted. Um, but yeah, I I don't think there's any way they're signing 11 players um, in terms of like a draft class. Um, I'd be pretty surprised. And knowing Tom Telesco, it'll be four running backs uh, with those <laughs> seventh round picks anyway. So uh, I need we'll it. see. <laughs> yeah. Um... I mean, everything I'm hearing right now in terms of like positions of depth, it sounds like this tight end class is fantastic. I mean, both people from the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl have each said that that's their best and deepest position at the All-Star Games. Um, There were even a couple at the NFLPA Bowl. And, you know, it sounds like at the Shrine Bowl so far that has come to fruition. Like the tight ends are really shining and taking the attention. So, 
maybe we don't see a Steven Anderson come back. Maybe we don't see a, I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if Parham did not come back because he's that restricted free agent, but maybe tight end becomes like a sneaky need that they feel like they can upgrade through the draft as opposed to bringing back cook and bringing back Anderson and all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. I haven't really dove into much of it. I know that the UCLA tight end is fantastic, but that's really uh, all the extent of my knowledge of the tight end class is right now. I'm generally mostly irritated that I have to actually watch running backs, <laughs> tight ends and linebackers, yeah. this draft class. Yeah. And uh, I haven't focused it much in on Trayvon Walker either, but uh, that guy is absolutely a first round pick. And that dude is a monster along with everybody else along that defensive line. Um, all right, guys, any uh, final thoughts on the defensive line or linebackers? And then uh, we'll head out for the day. No. All right. So uh, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to have some uh, fun conversations this week, of course, uh, talking with some draft analysts from here on out, getting some of their thoughts on the Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl. Hopefully that is coming uh, in the next few days, but, you know, we'll see. Um, as always, if, if you are listening to this on a podcast platform of your choice, please leave us a rating or review. If you are watching this now, please like the video, comment, subscribe to the channel. We do really always appreciate that. So that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.